What's up, everybody? Will Brinton here with a Friday edition of the Pick 6 Podcast. But I've noticed, if you're subscribing already, we're doing this daily. 30 minutes or thereabouts, six topics in your podcast app every day by 6 a.m. It's the off-season, so, you know, we'll talk about stuff like uh, Russell Wilson getting traded. Right? Maybe? Sure, why not? Russell Wilson get traded. Um, but anyway, uh, subscribe. Rate, review. If you've been listening and you like it, please leave a five-star or just tweet at me and say, hey, nice podcast, jerk face. Whatever works. Um, full disclosure, on this edition of the podcast, we actually recorded a conversation with CBS Sports senior columnist Pete Prisco. My pal Pete talked about his draft board, his Big 32, which is up on CBSSports.com. But here's the catch. We recorded it on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah, because I was coming back from my parents. We recorded on Tuesday, and um, and then the Brandon Cooks trade happened, and we had to keep pushing it back and pushing it back. But now we're going to bring it out on Friday because it still makes sense. Pete's mock draft is actually up on CBSSports.com. It's really interesting because Pete has, and he'll talk about this a little bit, but Leighton Vander Esch going in the top ten. That's the Boise State linebacker going to the Bears at number eight. Pete's, Pete's got a sense for these mock drafts sometimes. I like a few of these picks. Um, you know, I question a little bit whether some of these guys will fall, but like Hayden Hurst to the Ravens at 16, that's a bit of a surprise. Derwin James at 18 to the Seahawks, he ain't falling that far, Pete. Sorry, pal. Derwin James ain't falling that far. Speaking of the Seahawks, did I mention the Russell Wilson trade rumors? I thought it was fascinating. Jim Trotter of NFL Network went on, on NFL Network, of, of NFL Media, went on NFL Network and started talking about how it's there's a potential for Russell Wilson to be traded if the Seahawks were to demand a trade or ask for a trade or push the button to get a trade if the Seahawks don't do well in 2018. Everyone is aware that Seattle has decided to reboot and to sort of, you know, go in a different direction from the Legion of Boom. Richard Sherman gone. Earl, Tom, Earl Thomas on the trade block. Cam Chancellor, Cliff Averill. Pete Carroll basically said they're expected to retire or, or they're going to be released. Michael Bennett traded. Uh, the Belief is that the Seahawks want to build around Bobby Wagner on defense and Russell Wilson on offense. But if they go out there in 2018 and they stink, and and look, I mean, most people are going to pick them to be at best third in that division. That's just how the you, you can read the tea leaves and the the offseason hype train. People are going to pick the Rams to finish first. I think a lot of people are going to pick the 49ers over them. That's just how it's going to work. And um you know, ultimately, there aren't going to be a lot of people high on the Seahawks. Now, I, I think Pete Carroll could put together a pretty surprising season. He and John Schneider are very good at this. They've been very good for a long time, and they've got enough players in that roster to do damage on, on both sides of the ball. But if you're Russell Wilson and you're getting hammered by by rushers every single game and you're just running around, spinning around, and, and Brian Schottenheimer doesn't craft a good offense for you, uh, replacing Daryl Bevel, then all of a sudden maybe you start to say, hey, the grass could be greener. On the other side, uh, uh, Trotter pointed out that maybe the Chargers are, are could be in play. You know, this would be in the 2019 season. Maybe Philip Rivers tries to go win one and or you know calls the dogs off after 2018. He's got a lot of kids, a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of time to spend with those kids. You know, you never know. So 
there's a possibility that, you know, Russell Wilson with just two years left on his contract might not be enthralled about the long-term haul with the, uh, with, with what the Seahawks want to do. Jason Lockenfour of CBS Sports pointed this out before. He said, certainly, this is quoting Lockenfour, a column from earlier March. Certainly Wilson has to be doing some internal calculus about the state of the roster around him, about watching Sherman walk after suffering a significant injury and doing nothing but win to this point in his pro career. Given how often he's running for his life on Sundays and given his stated desire to play football for as long as Tom Brady has, could Wilson now be contemplating his football Ball mortality with the offensive line still a significant concern. It would only be human. Jason's right. It would only be human to wonder if the Seahawks are the right spot for Russell Wilson. He's going to turn 30 this year, this year in, in November. I mean, he'll be 30 years old already. Time flies when you're, uh, when you're getting chased by pass rushers. So entirely possible that Russell Wilson's future is not guaranteed in Seattle. It's a fun thing to talk about in the, in the, in the dregs of the off season. Wait, wait till, wait till uh, June and July. See what we come up with. Ding. In the meantime, let's talk to Pete Briscoe. As I mentioned, previously recorded conversation, everything still stands. Check out his big board on, on the site. And of course his mock draft as well. Pete, how's it going, man? What's up? How are you? My first question to you is, since you're tough, if you had to bet your pinky toe, as in, if you're wrong, we cut off your pinky toe. If you had to bet your pinky toe on one quarterback in this draft class, who are you betting it on? I would bet it on Josh Allen. Uh, I think he's the best quarterback in this class. I think he will be the best quarterback in this class. And I know everybody likes to point to his completion percentage, but if you put the tape on, there's a lot of reasons for it. His offensive line was putrid. His receivers were not very good. Uh, he had some mechanical issues. I mean, I'm not going to hide that back. I mean, there's no doubt he had some mechanical issues that forced, you know, passes to be high and wide and everything else, but that's fixable. And I think he's done a good job in the off season of fixing it. I think he's going to be a prototypical pocket passer who can make all the throws. He's got the best arm in the class. Uh, he has to, you know, learn how to touch a little bit more than he does probably, but uh, when it's all said done, he will be the best quarterback in this class. Now I noticed I was reading your big board. You did your top, I think 32 prospects, right? And correct. Josh Allen, not number one, but definitely the number one quarterback. And to just sort of parlay, you know, sort of, you know, I guess parlay off of the, the Allen stuff. I was stunned to see that you have Sam Darnold as the bottom ranked of the big four. And it seemed to me that you had a group of elite prospects at the top, then Josh Allen as the top quarterback, then another group of prospects, and then a big clump of quarterbacks, which indicate, I mean, this is how I read it is, you love Bradley Chubb, you love Quentin Nelson, you love Saquon Barkley, you like Allen more than the rest of the guys, and then you're not so sure about Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold. Did I read that correctly? Sort of. I, I think Quentin Nelson and Bradley Chubb are the two best players in the draft along with Barkley, but Barkley's a running back and, and Nelson's a guard, which is why I ranked Chubb number one. So then you get to the next couple guys. I went with the next corner, which was Denzel Ward because of the value of the position. And then I got to Allen, and, and I think Allen is the best of the quarterbacks, like I said, but it's not that far a drop-off from the other guys. I just think they're all kind of lumped in together. Allen, to me, is a, a shade above the other guys. Then it goes to Josh Rosen. Then it goes to Baker Mayfield, and then it goes to Sam Darnold. I am probably in the minority on not being enamored with Sam Darnold. I think there's some flaws in his game, the long windup. He's turned the ball over. He has little hands, you know, a bunch of different things. And in talking to personnel guys and scouts, I always ask them, I say, give me of the, you know, 
four or five top quarterbacks, give me one guy that has bust potential. And surprisingly, Sam Darnold's name has come up a couple times, mm-hmm. which, you know, I don't think he's going to be a bust, but odds are two of the four that are taken in, in, you know, at the top of this draft will be busts. I mean, that's just the odds say that they will be. The Darnold thing is interesting because, you know, watching him – when he burst onto the scene in his freshman year, um, up and into that, that Rose Bowl, when he played against Saquon Barkley, who was incredible, you know, it felt like this is a guy who's on a meteoric rise to number one. He wasn't as good in 2017. You point out the turnovers, did have the elongated motion, the fumbles along with the hand size. And, you know, you don't get, don't want to be, get caught up on hand size, but the fumbles and, and the size of the hands is a concern. You threw well in the rainy pro day, but I just remember watching him in that bowl game last year. And it, it, I thought there's no way that this guy can be the best quarterback in the draft next year, just watching the bowl game. You just didn't get that feeling that he was ready to step in and, and command an NFL huddle or, or to run an NFL team or to, to play against an NFL caliber defense. I mean, do you think he is the bustiest of all these guys out there? You know, that's hard to say. I mean, if, yeah, I mean, I ranked him fourth, so I, I would say that he's the bust, bustiest of all of them. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, you know, we're, we, we missed – so many of these, and I can go back and my, I have a laundry list of quarterback misses, and, and it's the hardest position in sports to evaluate. It just is. You can't get inside a kid's head. You have no idea what he's going to do when he gets in the building. Is he going to work? Is he going to love it? Is he going to live it? Um, you know, can he go through his progressions? Can he fix his motion? Can he spend countless hours trying to shorten his release and, and, and you know, his long stride in Josh Allen's case? I mean, there's a lot of things that these guys have to do to get better, and, and are they willing to put it to work. I mean, you look at the best quarterbacks that we've seen in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Tom Brady, he's a junkie. He's a workaholic. Drew Brees, he's a workaholic. I mean, he told me, you know, he, he worked so hard at it. He told me last remember last summer when he said that he, he completes 100, over 100 passes a year with not seeing the receiver because he's repped it so much and he knows where he's going to be. Peyton Manning, same thing. Phillip Rivers, same thing. I mean, these guys live it. They love it and they live it. And, and so I think that's the hardest part is to say, what will, what will the quarterback do when he gets to the team? Will he be the guy that's the first one in and last one out and studies the book and lives the book and, and, you know, calls his coach on Friday night to throw around some ideas he might have for Sunday. I mean, if that, if that's the guy, then he's going to be a success. If he's not the guy, then he's going to be the failure. All right, we're sort of lumping in the second question with that first one because it's about the quarterbacks and it parlays well. I'm not, ding, I guess, is what we're doing anytime because I don't have any sound effects on this podcast yet. Um, what do you make? And I don't want to harp on this too much, but it is a slow season. It is fascinating to me that Jim Mora would come out and say this. What do you make about Jim Mora's comments about Josh Rosen uh, not being as blue-collar as Sam Darnold and being a millennial who needs to have uh, everything explained to him or, 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 or told how to eat his avocado toast? Your, your thoughts on the Jim Mora comments? Yeah, I mean, Jim was Jim's had a tendency over the years to r- ruffle some feathers when it comes to his own players. I mean, you remember when Miles Jack left last year early? Yeah. Miles Jack was not happy with some of the things that Jim Moore did, some of the things that he, the way he treated them. I mean, he he told me that he was he was not a happy guy because he left early and Moore resented it. So, I mean, that's Jim. Jim's an abrasive guy. He's always been that way. The one thing about Moore, though, he, he I think he'll shoot straight. And, and if he says what he says, he means what he says. 
So I, you know, I think that this thing has been over, you know, overreacted a little bit in terms of what the media does. You know, one person, you know what I always say, it's the Twitter cult. They follow each other. One does it, then two, then four, then eight, and then there's a, a pile of ants. I mean, they're everywhere. And th- that's what happens with something like this. Uh, Mora has become a guy that people are ripping on for whatever reason. I, you know, I think it's just more of who he thinks he, this kid is as a quarterback. He didn't say he didn't like him as a player. He loves him as a player. He just thinks there's some – issues there and you know what when you talk to the personnel people and the scouts who talk to to josh rosen they come away with the same kind of feel from him you know he's got a he's a different guy but that's not always a bad thing all right ding you've got a mock draft coming thursday did i do that right is that the right schedule that is correct okay that is correct thursday and i'm looking just kind of looking at your prospect rankings and comparing it with your last mock draft, I have an idea what the answer will be, but I'm curious what guy will be much higher in your mock draft that's coming out Thursday uh, than he was in the previous rendition, I think, uh, you know, maybe a week and a half or two weeks before. Well, well Josh Allen will be. <laughs> he's going to be the number one pick. Okay, but is there I, – okay, go ahead. I think he's going first overall. I, I just – too much – I hear that too much from guys I respect in the business who know a lot of people in the business. I'm talking about scouts and personnel people who know guys and know Dorsey. And and I just keep hearing that, you know, I've been saying it for a long time and I just keep hearing it more and more that he will be the guy when it's all said and done, who goes number one overall. So if that's where you were going with that, that's the answer to that question. Did you have somebody else in mind? I did. I noticed, and I was surprised by this, that you had Leighton Vander Esch, the linebacker out of Boise State, at number 12 overall, one of those guys ahead of the second-tier quarterbacks. And I'm wondering how high do you think you will eventually have him go in your mock draft? He's gonna. He, from the guys I've talked to, he's going top 10. Wow. He's going yeah, he's going top 10. There, and this is the way one guy posed it to me. He said, there are 10 freaks in this draft, and Leighton Vander Esch is one of the freaks. And it doesn't mean they're the best players, but they're the freaks that have a chance to be the best players, and, and, and he is one of them. And I had another guy compare him to Luke Keekley, hmm. which to me is really high praise. Yeah. I mean, and so, yeah, I think, he's, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the top picks in this draft. I really do. All right, so – I mean, doing the quick math on this, you got four quarterbacks. I, I think I think we can agree that Rosen, Mayfield, Darnold, and Allen are all going to go in the top ten. We're going to see Chubb, Quentin Nelson, and Saquon Barkley go in the top ten. One of Derwin James or Mika Fitzpatrick, I believe, will go in the top ten. And then if you Maybe. put – you don't it's think so? A, it's not a great value position. Hmm. I would think so. I, me personally, I I would take Derwin James in the top ten, but I'm not sure either one of them will. You got to remember, Davenport, the pass rusher, is one of the freaks. Um, you know, there are a lot of variables on him. Guys are concerned. Does he love? Is he one of those guys that loves the game? But when you you know dissect him as a player and all the potential he has and the athletic ability and everything else, he's one of the ten freaks. And so from that standpoint, he's. He's got a chance to go in that top 10 as well. Um, you know, you, you got to remember, these guys all look for the athletic freak, the guy who is the part, is a productive player, and translates to the next level. And Quentin Nelson is freak one because he's going to be a 10-year starter and probably be a, a pro bowler for a long time and maybe be a Hall of Famer. I, I think the running back, Saquon Barkley, is a freak for that position. Um, Chubb is a freak. There's three of them right there. Josh Allen is a freak 
because he's a physical freak. Sure. So he's one of them. Um, I, I think you look at the, the Vita Vea from um, Washington. From Washington is he's another one. He's a physical freak. Davenport, that's what's that five. Yeah. Um, you got Vander Esch is six. The corner from Ohio State. He's a little kid, but he's a physical freak. He's one of those guys. Seven. Roquan Smith, eight. Um, and then the kid from Virginia Tech, uh, Edmonds, is, is nine. And I forget who's the tenth one. But those are your ten physical freaks. Those are the guys. you got to kind of push them up the board a little bit when you evaluate these mock drafts. Vander Esch in the top ten would be pretty stunning. Are you So will you mock him in the top ten on Thursday, do you think? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I might. Huh? I think you got to. I love Mika Fitzpatrick, but you got to remember he, he's where's he play. I think he's a safety, but and so do most of the personnel guys I talk to, and 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 that drops his value down a little bit. Um, and then you know Derwin James is to me is like a hybrid, and you've seen him drop down in some mocks too. I love him. I think he's going to be a star, and I love Mika Fitzpatrick. I like both of them. I just think you got to look at position value as well. You know, I, I thought Roquan Smith would be a guy that would drop down because of the position value. But I went back and watched his tape and that is not a weak side linebacker. That's a middle linebacker. That is a thick kid who can get to the football. I thought initially that, you know, when you look at his weight and everything else, that he was going to be a weak side linebacker. And if you look at the weak side linebackers, the Levante Davids, the Telvin Smiths, the guys that are productive at that position, they don't get drafted in the first round. But if you're that three down, get all over the field, stay on the field linebacker in the middle, like he is, and he's going to be, then I think there's great value there. So I, I think Roquan Smith will, will eventually be drafted probably in the you know ten to or eight to fifteen range because he he can play in the middle. The landing spot for Roquan Smith that makes a lot of sense to me. I was about to ask you about him because you wrote quote he will be a dominant three down linebacker. I mean he when you watch him play, he's one of the, I mean he he, he he pops off the you know he pops off the. The, the tape. I mean, like you see, you see him and some of the hits he makes are just, are just, you know, I mean, you can, you can see that he is a gamer. Um, I, doesn't it seem like the perfect landing spot for him is Oakland? That would make some sense because, you know, they, they did sign, uh, the kid from the Lions to play there, but the, to hear Whitehead, but they need another one. So, uh, they do need another linebacker. So, yeah, I, I, and, and they could plug him and play him in the middle and they keep Whitehead outside. So that, that would make a lot of sense. But Oakland needs corners too. I mean, I, I know they, they have some guys they like, but they, and they have Conley and, but they still could use another corner and they could also use the safety in the deep middle. I, you know, well, the, the kid last year they drafted Melifonu who was hurt. And they don't know what they're going to do with him. But, yeah, I think Roquan Smith in the Oakland uniform would be perfect. All right. Ding, because we're moving on to the next topic. The tackle that you have the highest on your board is actually Colton Miller out of UCLA. I mean, I think that would be a bit of an – I mean, I don't don't know that anybody has a definitive ranking of the tackles here. Everyone sort of believes that Quentin Nelson is is the top lineman out there. Um, But I've – Seemed for the most part that Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame is higher. You like Colton Miller better than McGlinchey in this case. I do, and uh, I mean, look, and and the, again, I go back to uh, initially, I you know wasn't so sure, and I hadn't really watched all his tape, and went back and talked to some personnel guys I know, and they said go back and watch him. He's clearly the the class tackle of this thing, and I went back and watched him, and and he is. And he's the best tackle. McClinchy had some bad games. McClinchy had a bad game against Miami. He, you know, he, he did some. Uh, who was the other game? Was it, was it NC State? I'm not sure. It wasn't that game, but there was no. Uh, they, they were. They were. Um, 
McClinchy and, and Quinn Georgia. Nelson were very good against NC State. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they got yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no against Georgia. Yeah. yeah, against Georgia had a couple rough spots in that game too. So, uh, look, it's not a great tackle class. I'm going to be honest with you, and so that's why Miller is up the board because that position has great value, and he is the best of that group to me. I still think, and and by the way, people have buried Orlando Brown. Ah, that's my next question. Keep going with it, though. Well, here's why. He's not, you know, he weighed four, over 400, I think, 30 pounds at one point. And you talk to the scouts and personnel guys, and they all say, hey, look, this kid gets in the weight room with the proper dietitian and the proper weight training. He is going to be in shape. He's going to get in shape. He's going to be, he's got the longest reach, and that reach, it makes it hard for pass rushers to get around him, and he's got, he's a great athlete. So once he gets into a conditioning program with the team, he's going to be a hell of a player. So uh, don't discount him going at the back end of the first round either. Wow. And you have him as your number 31 prospect. Um, do you, how many, I mean, we do two games of over under here, one to close out this little segment. Over under three and a half guards or centers taken in the first round. You're four. Three and a half. Well, let's see. You're going to have Nelson one. Yep. Daniels will go in the first round. That's two. It's James Daniels um, out of Iowa, the center. What's that? I said that's James Daniels out of Iowa, the center. Yeah, James Daniels, the center, will go as well. And then you got will Isaiah Wynn go in the first round? Probably. And then you got a chance for Will Hernandez to go in the first round. Price would have had a chance. Brian Price, the center from Ohio State, but with his injury, I don't think he goes in the first round. Plus, he's you know some guys are a little turned off by by his attitude. But so for me, I'd say under. I think it'll be three. Okay, under three. All right, Ding. Next question: Over under uh, two. Over under two and a half wide receivers who go in the first round. DJ Moore and Ridley will, and somebody will force another one. So I'll go. I'll go over. Okay, and, and, you, and not force one. Anthony Miller should go in the first round. By the way, and, uh, and I, I put him in my top thirty-two yesterday, and then he had his pro day today and lit it up. Uh, I don't know if you saw what he ran. He ran under four. He ran four four something. And had thirty-nine inch vertical and lit it up. And and he's the one guy that most people are missing on and should go back and reevaluate him. He's tough. He's physical. He blocks. He doesn't back down. He's a competitor, and he loves it. And and for me, that I went back and watched him, and I, I came away. I go, okay, this is this is the guy, and, and this is the guy that most people are missing on. And in fact, when it's all said and done, five years from now, six years from now, he might be the best receiver in this draft class. Wow! Any uh, any sort of comp you got for him? Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I'm I'm bad with comps. That's fine. Um, you know, because people always like. For example, they'll say Cortland Sutton, right? The yeah. kid from um, SMU. SMU. Oh, he's Alshon Jeffrey, but I don't. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think it's unfair to do the. You know, Josh Allen's Kyle Bowler. Uh, it's not fair. But I, boy, it's tough. That's a tough one. I mean, give me a second. I'll think of one. Okay. Because he he's a physical receiver. So I mean, like, a strong kid. Try to think the comp. I'll, I'll think of one. All right, what, I really like his game. You yeah. know, Ridley, Ridley's got a nice game, too, but there's some concern about his toughness over the middle. Some guys have mentioned that. I've had other guys tell me they think he's by far and away the best receiver. And D.J. Moore is the one that's rising because he's – look at his 
play. Every time it's, he gets better and better, and teams love that. Who would you take if you had a, a mid mid to late first round pick? You were dead set on taking a wide receiver. Who would you take uh, first out of that group? I would I would probably take DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is going to be a really good player in the NFL. Maryland, really good. Maryland's kind of uh, cranking out but, some some wide receivers lately. Torrey Smith. Yeah, well, Diggs. they can. You know, you know, well, they once had a pretty darn good wide receiver um, at uh, a receiver coach by the name of Keenan McCardell. That's true. Good call. Maybe that's how they. And, uh, maybe that's how they. And he's now with Jackson. He's now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you like what the Jaguars have done in this offseason with receiver? I mean, they, they did the right thing not keeping Allen Robinson it's because if they tagged him at $16 million, he's coming off the ACL. You get him for the ACL year, you don't want to do that. And the price got too high. Um, you know, the, the, I, I don't think they're finished. I think that could be one of their early picks as a wide receiver. I, you know, people point to the tight end, but I think wide receiver could be the focal point at number 29 when they fit. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree with you, especially because they went out and they signed Niles Paul, who's, I mean, you know, whatever, but they also added Alston Safarian Jenkins. I mean, that, that's a pretty big investment in the tight end position. And then you don't really have a true number one. Who would anybody that stands out from the group of DJ Moore, Anthony Miller, and, and Calvin Ridley that would fit well with what Jacksonville already has? Uh, Marquise Lee, of course, they, they famously. I yeah, I think I think DJ Moore would fit in with them, but I also think that they could go in the direction of getting a bigger weight and getting a bigger receiver. I mean, you know, like you look at what they have. They think Keenan Keelan Cole is going to be a star. By the way, they think he's going to be a star. Hmm. So, um, you know, people are forgetting about him. I think he's ahead of D.D. Westbrook and how they view those guys. Uh, and then, then you, you got to get it. So you look at their size of the receivers. Monty's is decent size. Marquise Lee isn't a big guy. They don't have a big receiver. So they might be one of those teams that looks and says, okay, if, if Sutton doesn't go in the first round, then you can come back in maybe in the second round, move up and try and go make a play for him or something like that if you don't take one at 29. Because I don't think you take him at 29. All right. Ding. You had three. Count them three, Pete. Three running backs sitting in your just missed, which leads me to believe that you think Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, and Darius Geis are all really, really good players, but you weren't about to put them in your top 32. How many of those three guys sneak into the first round on draft day? Boy, Sony Michelle might, and Darius Geis might, and Ronald Jones might, but I don't know for sure if. All, I don't think no way all three of them will. One of them might, but I don't know which one. Me personally, I like Ronald Jones the most of those guys, but not by a lot. I, I think Geis is going to be good. I think, you know, Michelle's going to be good. I, I think Nick Chubb is going to be good. I mean, there's a lot of backs, which just goes back to my theory on why is the difference between Saquon Barkley and those other backs that great. And yes, he's the best one. But the answer to that question is no, which is why I wouldn't take him, you know, in the in top five picks if I had those picks. Yeah, see, if I'm Cleveland and I got the fourth overall pick, I'm calling Buffalo and saying, listen, give me uh, 12. And this is what I did in my mock draft that went up on Tuesday. Um, I would say give me 12, 22, give me back that – or get, in a second-round pick, you can keep the Tyrod pick, and uh, you, you, move down to, you move down with those picks, and then you could grab – at 12, you could grab Colton Miller or Mike McGlinchey, 
and you could fill the void. Of course, you're, assuming you're drafting Josh Allen or Sam Darnold one at 12, you fill the void, uh, that left with Joe Thomas leaving and you get yourself a future left tackle. And then at 22, you grab, or maybe even you wait till the second round, you grab one of Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle or, or Darius Geis. And all of a sudden, instead of getting Barkley at four, you get your quarterback, you get a left tackle and, and you get a running back. To me, that, that's a way more value than sitting at four and taking a running back. But if if what if Chubb's there, you take him. If Bradley Chubb is there at four, I would stay at four, and I would take Bradley Chubb. Yes, of course. So yes. if if it's one Allen and Chubb is there at four, then you take Chubb, and then you go get your back in the top of the second round, anyways. That's what I would do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean that that's and then you, they have two picks at the top of the second round, so you could stay there and get it. You know, they might get maybe they get Orlando Brown and and um, Sony Michelle or Orlando Brown and Ronald Jones. Oh, then man. to me, you come through that trap, you get your quarterback of the future. You get your extra pass rusher who's going to be a dominant player. You pair him with, with the kid you got last year, Miles Garrett and Agba, if you want to keep him. And then you go get your tackle at the top of the second round. And then you get your runner. And all of a sudden you look at that team and you go, hmm, they got something special they're building there. Could the Browns make the playoffs next year? No. They're a year away. What, what I think they'll do is me, if they draft one of those two, well, they draft a quarterback. They're going to take one anyways. That kid will sit for a while. Then they'll, you know, they'll play well and lose some games and win some games and lose some games, and then they'll eventually they'll put the quarter, the kid in to play quarterback at the end of the year, and then the next year he'll come back and he'll be the quarterback, and then they'll be ready to make a move the following year. Well, I, you gotta, they got to play him at some point. Whoever they draft, I know they keep saying Tyrod Taylor is the guy. Tyrod Taylor is the guy. He's more than just a bridge guy. But if you draft that quarterback, you got to play him next year, or else you're delaying the inevitable, and that means you're going to start all over again in, in 2019. So you've got to play in 2018. Ding. I agree with you. Um, what Drew Brees, this is off your draft board. Drew Brees is being, is suing somebody saying that he bought a $9 million, I think it's a $9 million ring, according to, uh, is suing a San Diego jeweler for allegedly scamming him out of $9 million. What is the most you would pay for a piece of jewelry if money was no object? Uh, when I was younger, probably something stupid, but now, no. <laughs> What is the nicest, I, I, what is I the nicest piece where, of jewelry you own, Pete? The nicest piece I own? Yeah. It's, well, it's not, it's, it's a, a diamond cross that was my mom's and oh, it's got cool. diamonds in it. So that's the nicest one. But, um, I mean, I got Movado watches and that stuff, but I don't, I'm not a big, that's not me. I'm not, I don't need to be flat. Maybe when I was younger, I did, but not anymore. I got, I got a nice Tiffany bracelet. I don't, that's not me. I'm not. I can't imagine spending nine million dollars on a on a on a ring. That doesn't sound like Drew Brees either. That's what's weird about that. It does sound like he's a San Diego jeweler. So maybe it was something that happened um, in a uh, in in like a you know maybe maybe he was young and uh, coming out of Purdue and trying to trying to shake that uh, Midwestern. Yeah, but he didn't have that kind of money then. No, that's the weird thing about that. Yeah, because he was a second round pick, so he wasn't loaded. That is weird. Yeah. It's just the whole story is weird. Then somebody was speculating that maybe it was an investment, but you know that that doesn't make a lot of sense either. I, I just, for me, I just none of it made any sense to me. I don't. I, it just doesn't sound like that guy. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't think a guy who's invested in, you know, he's invested in um, Jimmy, Jimmy Johns, John's all yeah. over. The, you know, he's invested in. TRX, he's part of that. You know, the TRX workout stuff, he's a part of that. He's been involved in some really successful things. For him to go out and spend that kind of money on jewelry just doesn't sound like it. It's weird. It's a weird story. It is a weird story. Um, 
Okay. I've got two quick or no, three quick questions for you. We'll get you out of here. Uh, I think I may have eclipsed the six topic thing, but whatever. Where does Rob Gronkowski play in 2018? New England. There's no Bill way you trade him, right? Might be, Bill Belichick might be. This, by the way, from what I've heard, this is more about, you know, you keep hearing it from Belichick ruffle and feathers. Da, 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 da. This is more about Gronkowski's contract. He's not happy with his contract. Right. I mean, think about it. He, he, he looks around and he's making $8 million a year. He's woefully underpaid. And uh, so this that's what that's about. You know, Gronkowski's a lot of things, but he ain't stupid when it comes to money. And and this guy's, you know, he lives off of, supposedly lives off of all his investments. Uh, he lives off his investments and his endorsements money, and he doesn't live off his salary money. But still, he's underpaid. Gronkowski's smart enough to realize that. That's what this is about more than anything. Yeah, if you're Gronk and you're making $9 million a year, and Trey Burton just got $8 million a year, and Jordan Reed is getting nine three, and Travis Kelsey is getting nine three six, and Jimmy Graham is getting 10 and you're and you've been healthy. Yeah, you're been, not happy about that. No, of you're course not happy not. about that. And you've been playing. I'd be, I'd be, if I were Gronk, I would be angry about it too. And, and you know, playing for Belichick can wear on a guy. I mean, I, I, I've seen that. I, I've watched that. But guys like Coughlin and Belichick and 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 you know some of those coaches. You have a uh, there's a, a lifespan of how much time you can deal with those guys, and and it starts wearing on players. And and when you're like Gronk and you get to be older and you've been going through it for so many years. It gets tiring. I get it. But if they gave him a new contract, he'd be the happiest Patriot you could ever see. <laughs> he'd be right back into the Patriot way. All right. Pete Prisco, thanks for joining me. Prisco CBS on Twitter, Pick 6 Podcast. You can subscribe. We do it every day. It'll be live by 6 a.m., roughly six questions, 30 minutes to handle your commute. And uh, I'm sure, Pete, we will talk to you again soon. You got it. Take care.